You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 112 of Push the Point. Or actually, I think it's 111, depending on where in the podcatcher you are. But welcome to this week's episode of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more. Also, a reminder that the Mash Those Buttons Network has a ton of great podcasts for most of cop- most popular games heading out right there. Great communities everywhere, great hosts. Highly recommend you check out the other podcasts on our network. I'm your host, Ramses, reminding you to follow us on Twitter at PushPointPOD. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you like to listen to podcasts. And I'm joined by my co-host, my partner, and actually some ranked success today, Lobo. We did pretty well. Yeah. We, uh, we, Lobosco. We, 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 one game I think we lost. That was it. One out of four. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, mm-hmm. Better than some of the the previous times that we've done this. I think you have a new mindset, and I think that helps. That definitely has helped, I think, with just, for one, going in and knowing about taking space, uh, not necessarily sitting. I always like to think I've beaten the sitting and choke problem, but then I will catch myself doing it all the time. But I've... A friend of mine told me, and you and I were talking about this, verbalizing your thoughts and your thought process of what you're doing while you're playing tank really points, shines a spotlight on when you're not actually doing anything and makes mm-hmm. you actually push forward. So we're making progress. We are getting there slowly but surely. There's another really good one you can do, which is take a high level tank players like a game that they're playing in ranked and um, watch them and then pause the video and be like, OK, this is what I would do here. And then play it and see if what they do is the same or different than what you do. So that way you can understand what their mindset is going into something. And then um, sort of verbalizing that and stuff help, helps a lot, too. So the the verbalizing in that sort of way is, is another step that you got to say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have a lot to get into this week. No highlight games, of course, because we're going straight into the summer showdown which it's interesting lobo we went into this and i think you and i talked about last week that this was going to be the most competitive of the three tournaments we've seen so far and there was there are plenty of spaces where it was very tight very competitive and there were some matches where it just wasn't yeah i, I would say that this was a little bit more of a disappointment than i thought it was going to be um the NA teams, I, I think that the the amount of traveling that you do uh, to go to, to Hawaii, you don't really get a lot of time to adjust to the time zone. And then you got to turn around and play games. Oh, yeah. And you've got to try and get a little bit of scrim time in while you while you're going there, too, before the games start on thir- what Thursday, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So it, it's it's really rough on the NA teams um from that sort of a standpoint and kind of you know there's nothing you can really do about it it's the state it, it, it's the state of the world cor- currently right now right so what are you gonna do um mm. it, it it sucks because yeah. you, you can see clearly i think this tournament more than any we saw how clearly prepared the apac teams were compared to the na teams but not only that it, it also felt like yes um the the other thing too about it was the the they seemed to be ahead as far as like what was working in the current meta like there were certain aspects that like Dallas and and Atlanta may have used that we saw both Shanghai and Chengdu use effectively but they seemed to be further ahead of knowing what was best and and I think that hurt them a lot too and that kind of goes to the them not getting as much scrim time perspective where it's like, if you're scrimming against those teams, maybe it's a little bit of a different story. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we, we saw a couple of different players talk about it this week, mostly a couple guys. I think the guys from Atlanta is who I thought about the most with Hawk where they don't have that scrim time. And then I remember seeing a tweet, I think from uh deer, who's the general manager for Dallas fuel that pretty much within that, like, on Sunday after winning uh, the qualifiers to get into 
Summer Showdown, they immediately were traveling. Like, there's no, you're traveling, you're getting there. And I it's I kind of pretend to think like, oh, well, like the game started Saturday. No, game yeah. started on Thursday. So you're you're flying over on Sun, you're flying over if you're like lucky, like Monday afternoon, probably Monday morning, early. You're getting there really early. Um, you're setting up, you're just getting stuff ready for the first couple like hours. You get there, you maybe get a day and a half, two days of scrim time, but even then that's if you get that time too, right? Like they have they have other obligations. If like that's and then I mean you saw people there like there's um inconveniences on the APAC area as well. It's a lot earlier in the day that they're used to playing, and you had you had I don't remember which manager on Shanghai or if it was a player making the case that it's a lot earlier. People aren't ready like at that time. Like it takes a little bit for people to yeah. get kind of warmed up at that area. And you can kind of apples and oranges, the different different, like the different difficulties or inconveniences, but still for what the current situation is with the, with the world right now, I think this is the best yeah. option we have. Cause you can't like flying, like flying people out to Hawaii, like is already is a lot, but like, can you imagine if we were flying two teams out right, to it would Asia be a lot more. every single time? It, it's the best of the situation, right? I, I think if moving forward, yeah. and this is something I hope that they can at least maybe do in playoffs, is like, there's no more games after playoffs are over, right? So why not do a tournament somewhere? Why not have playoffs be somewhere? I, we're, I think we're at a point now where the um, the vaccine is available everywhere in all the countries where, where teams are. I would imagine that most teams are almost fully vaccinated if they're not fully vaccinated at this point. We're a fully vaccinated show here, by the way. Your boy got yes, shot number two are, last sir. week, so we're fully vaccinated. So I'd imagine that those teams, if they're not vaccinated, they should be getting close. The point is, is like you can have a tournament somewhere, have every team in one location, give them ample time to do that and sell some tickets. Like, I feel like that is a real possibility that if they're not considering it right now for Overwatch League, I think that they're kind of doing um, a disservice to themselves because it's definitely a money making opportunity. But not only that, from a competitive standpoint, it will be the most competitive tournament you can have is you could have everybody in one location and then you don't have to worry about quarantining times or anything like that after the fact, because you got you got plenty of time off before the next season starts. Like, who knows when they're going to actually have the next season start in 2022 like they could have a super late start like they did for this year or they could go back to an earlier start where it's almost what february or whatever like there's a lot of options available to them after the fact so you will have all of that time after the season ends to do it so that's my hope that we can have that happen for playoffs but as of right now like this is the best that you can do in the way that they're currently doing it and, and considering we have more of the season to go on. Mm -hmm. Let's get into our first game of the week. Chengdu hunt. Well, round one, uh, match one Chengdu hunters versus Dallas fuel. Uh, this game's kind of marked by a few different things. We saw, we saw Dallas kind of with the initial struggles of working I like that they haven't necessarily caught up to this comp as much as they like. And when we say this comp, APAC has been running for the past couple of weeks. They've been running of like a hyper dive comp of sorts. You're running the Wrecking Ball, the Diva, and then Sombra, and usually something else. You're kind of mixing matching with what you might need. Not even Sombra always, too. It kind of depends on what map you want to roll with or if you have a specific strategy you're looking at. And we look at well as well because uh Chengdu's backline had an incredible weekend even if things didn't work out the way they, way they necessarily wanted to but not only are we seeing Monk out there on the Ana not only are we seeing Nisha out there on the Lucio uh we're seeing a lot of evil tell on the Mercy and you and I were talking about this last week the dude is still for my money oh, one of the top 3 players on that hero on in the world straight up just Mercy I think Eveltal gives you a little bit more but overall, in this first game, it feels like you have on Chengdu, potentially you definitely have an MVP candidate and maybe the MVP of the league and leave. But you also have, I think, two rookie of the year candidates on that team as well. 
and a person that I consider there, there's no official comeback player of the year, but we do a comeback player of the year every year. I think Yeg, late young is in the running for that. So you have a lot of players that are playing at a very high level on Definitely. this team. And you have a Dallas who maybe doesn't fully have everything figured out and is still having a lot of trouble dealing with the pressure that the wrecking ball composition centered around the Zenyatta bring. Like there's definitely moments where they looked good, but you could see there was a little bit of a comp difference. But more importantly, they they just couldn't perfectly attack what it was that Chengdu was trying to do to them. Mm hmm. They're so flexible. Like Gaga's all over the place, but always exactly where he needs to be. He's always setting up stuff so well. And I've memed in the past about Jinmu Sombra. I've made fun of it, but Jinmu locked him down. Jinmu had a super good handle with him. Like very EMPs that were getting three to four people, like a couple times in the match as well. Like he, you would get your normal like two player or three player EMP, but he was getting three to four people maybe once a map and then i look as well dal i think part of it's that's marked with dallas is that this kind of started the um well not started this continued the narrative we talked about last week where oh, okay people can't deal with jinmu's far jinmu's far is too good and regardless of like how accurate that might be we saw in this that chengdu really pushed the far hard and kind of was was forcing them to really kind of deal with they it. They had a lot of trouble doing that for Dallas. I mean, they definitely did on some maps better than others. And, and it wasn't like Genmu's Pharaoh was unbeatable, mm -hmm. but you definitely saw why it was something that Chengdu liked to run. And it was funny because after this game, I kind of made the musing of, I wonder if if we'll see Sparkle's Pharaoh because I think people forget how good of a, a Pharaoh Sparkle is as well. Like there's a lot of good Pharaohs that were in this tournament. Um, we did see a few of them end up coming out to my surprise thankfully so it, it was really cool to see like sparkle get to, to play that he doesn't do it in this game against Chengdu, but Chengdu seemed to have an answer for everything dallas wanted to do i i think the one thing that that is most um prevalent here from the dallas perspective is that everybody was ready for what dallas wanted to do to them like they've seen it for two tournaments in a row it's not really a surprise yeah. now and teams know what they want to do personally to beat those things. Like Dallas was the team to beat and they were finally beaten. So, so this next tournament is going to be Dallas's turn to sort of answer back to that because they, um, they had a really rough go of it this tournament. We'll talk about it again in a little bit, but Monk was lights out on Zenyatta Impressive, this whole weekend. Yeah. You like, you can meme about, you can meme about like frontline Zens, but, the guy was literally on some points like pushing up into the front line to secure kills. And he was winning duels a lot. Monk. Like, I don't know how prevalent, like how high in the conversation Monk was for rookie of the year before this, but he got a ton of eyes this last weekend. Like I saw tons of It's so of funny to me too, because like everybody thought that far away 1987 was going to be like the, the guy, right? No, Farway's been and, and like, like if you would ask a couple me before the season. season started who I thought was the better Zenyatta, I would have told you that I thought it was Farway 1987 on this team in particular. So I think that's one of the sort of the crazy things too is like Monk has has not just only won his his place on this team, but he is outright um, earning himself Rookie of the Year um, talk. I think that it's going to end up going to his his uh, partner on the the tank line, but he's definitely in the conversation now with the tournament that he had this time, and and his he has been very consistent throughout. I mean, the, again, him beating out Faraway nineteen eighty seven says a lot to me, and holding that spot down too, because at the beginning of the year we saw like Monk on the on for most of the time, specific, and then Faraway yeah. came into play like a Zen map here and there. And then since like May Melee, he's had that spot and to you himself. Can't, you whole cannot time. argue with the results, right? He's grown into the he's grown into that flex support position very nicely alongside of the rest of this team. It, it's been um, it's been an ascension, and and I really I think that the notion of like Chengdu does weird things kind of isn't there anymore either. I think Chengdu like does a lot of things that make a lot of no, sense, especially so. with what their players are very good at. Like 
we saw other teams run the comps that they've been running, right? They're not doing anything out of the ordinary. Like they're not the only team running wrecking ball or something like that that we've seen in the past. So for me, for my money, I, I think Chengdu is a team on the rise more than anything else. Going on to Atlanta Rain versus Shanghai Dragons. Number one, actually, there's a quick little bit of news to talk about with um, Shanghai Dragons. I don't know. It did happen. It did happen this last week. Uh, Damon, uh, from the sh- who we might know from, I'm trying to remember where Damon coached before this. They ha- they picked up a new coach that went into the team, went into a competition with them this week. Yeah, Damon had a history through a lot of um, different APAC rosters with Rocks Orcas, uh, Kongdu Uncia, and then spent some time with NRG, Shanghai Dragons. Uh, before this, though, he was right, on the coaching staff for the Guangzhou Charge. Shanghai, right? Which. No, you're right. He did coach. I'm sorry. So mo- his playing history is with all these teams beforehand. And then he was a coach with Element Mystic, then a coach of Guangzhou Charge. And then he's a current. He's coaching right I mean, now. More power Shanghai. to Shanghai, I guess. Like, what it, if it if it works out? He's, it works out. That's all that matters. And and two two tournaments in a row, they're doing something right. Well, and he he's one of the guys who was part of like the the when Shanghai brought in that new like addition of people to come in and play like halfway through the season. Yeah, he was, uh, he was part one, of that. The the yeah. better the 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 better version of Shanghai in season. The ones that won one map a game instead it. of zero maps. Um, looking into this match, I really, how do I want to put this? I can't help but be a little bit disappointed with Atlanta rain in this. I understand we talked about it. There's difficulties with being a Western team coming out and playing, but it just felt like Shanghai had their number this entire match. Well, to, to, to Atlanta's, um, uh, not, not their credit, but to, to point out something about that Atlanta got in on Wednesday. Ooh, geez. So, like Dallas was able to get there a lot quicker. A- Atlanta didn't have the same luxury. Atlanta also has to, you know, travel a little bit further than Dallas too. So who knows what sort of difficulties they ended up having getting there. But regardless of that, it's like, it it kind of sucks. But I think, I think this is more about how good Shanghai is than, than about Atlanta being bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Like th- this is such a good team right now in, in Shanghai, like they, they were really tested only once. And I think it was them sort of adjusting to what Chengdu was doing. And I thought in, in the the, ter- the championship game, you sort of saw that they had an answer for even that, too. I, I think that Shanghai is just on a different level right now. I, I think that they are on a different level than we've seen. Like they're on a level that I, I don't think we've seen since the dominance that the shock had at mm-hmm. times. Like, I think that they are kind of, at that point you now. said it a little bit earlier. We did get to see the flood of which was very good. Uh, and it's so funny. Cause I know there's so many times where you would rather take the echo over the far, just because you have so much more, I guess, adaptability, but we saw it on King's row. We saw a little bit of a little bit of it on Nepal. He was super strong with it. And it doesn't help as well. That you have lip over there on ash just lights out on people. Yeah. Lip is, <laughs> I think lip, I think lip is the one of the two of them who you put in conversation for MVP this year. It's mm-hmm. like, Fled has been really solid this year, but I think lip has been a difference maker on, on a lot more heroes than we had seen him be on previously. Right? Like if lip was on Sombra, you kind of were like, okay, he's one of the best Sombras in the world. But it feels like it, it, it's a different level for him now so, for everything else. So I, I think you have to really be impressed at that the Ascension lip has had this year. But everybody on, on Shanghai is just playing at such a high level right now. I was also a little bit surprised. Um, and, and I guess it's just because of how the meta dictated it. But you don't want Kai out there because you're not going to be playing like stuff like McCree or anything like that at a consistently high level or, or high amount of time. So I, 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 I was a little surprised that we didn't get like any Kai or anything in these games. Uh, also, at, at least I think we said this last tournament cycle. Fate has very easily silenced any doubters as far as whether or not the trade was a good deal for him or whether or not he was a weak link anywhere necessarily. He has looked, this is the best he's looked his entire career with Shanghai. 
it's funny how good you can look as a main tank when everything around you is so much better, right? Yeah, that's true. I, I, um, I think there's something to be said about that, but I do think it's a lot of it is also because of his own ability. Like, I'm not I'm not saying it's not just because he's played so much better, but I'm saying there is a factor when you you were on a team. The true, caliber true. of Shanghai, I do think. Right, you want to go difference. winner's bracket or loser's bracket next? Um, I think winner's bracket was the next game in order, right? So. These both these games are so, pretty good, so I, I think either one is. I think it. the big pe- thing that people are gonna remember from this is the lip EMP on Ilios. <laughs> um, Lobo, have you seen the? You you were watching the game, I'm sure you saw the clip, but um, they're on Ilios over at Lighthouse, and you watch Lip on the Sombra kind of like inch up a little bit and see the Far and Mercy like super far out over the water. He sneaks over and throws the uh, translocator into them, translocates and EMPs the both of them <laughs> to win a fir- to win. I think the last fight of that first map. Um, looking at the rest of this matchup, though, this one's super close. Leave has an incredible performance as well. I think this is where like people were super excited about his performance with Dallas, but at least from what I saw, it seemed that. It seemed like we saw like the leave for MVP talk really catch fire during this match. I think it was the previous match where I saw the most was the Dallas Chengdu one. And then this was the the one that I don't know if it like proved it more in some people's eyes or or maybe there was more people watching this game because it's the winner's bracket finals, whatever it might be. But I think people paid attention to it more here. And like I said, I, I definitely think he's an MVP candidate. I don't think his team's as bad as people are making them out to be, though, either. Like, I don't think he's, like, carrying this team as hard as, like, people are saying. Like, not that he's not carrying on certain maps, but I don't think the team around him is as bad as people are sort of letting on. Well, because we've seen a couple different people, even, like, casters have the opinion of, like, well, like, Lee, Lee is good, but, like, should he really get considered for MVP because he's, like not playing for like a super high, like he's not like leading a super high level team. It's like, no, Chung has been pretty solid this whole year. How, how can anybody say he's not on a high level team? They've been to two of the three tournaments that have happened this year. Yeah. Like, like the, there, there's certain narratives that I don't understand that, that make no sense to me. Like that, that like Chengdu isn't a top caliber team because like they have, the, they don't have the greatest regular season record, but, the, but they've made it to two tournaments. So where does that really make sense? There's a lot of goofiness going on right now, and maybe it's because like you have had like Seoul kind of dominate regular season games, but then have trouble getting into the tournaments. Maybe that's sort of changing the narrative for people. I I don't know. It, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It, it's it's very weird. This is a this is a pretty good team. More importantly, Leave is a, is definitely like a driving force on the team. Like I don't think anybody can argue that and. This is another thing that's weird to me is like th- there's people I guess who who I-, I don't know if they think that like in the past like people d- got MVP who shouldn't. I don't feel there's ever been an MVP who wasn't like the MVP of that year for the regular season. Like maybe Jonak is the one year where you can maybe argue it. No, nah, Jonak still I think is the best. Jonak for my money has the best argument. But still, like, I agree, I agree with you that, like, everybody who's been picked has been, like, the focal point of their team for that year. Because Fleta won it last year. And, like, you're going to tell me that Fleta wasn't incredible last year? Like, a huge part of why Shanghai ends up being the best team the, the year before? You're going to say that, that I, I'm not going to say his name, but. No, uh, like, I, like, everybody, I think each season, like, season one. The way that they played Zen, like the way that New York played Zen completely changed everything. And it was the focus point of that entire season. Nobody else, like he was the centerpiece of that team. Same thing with season two with Zarya and Goats for the shock. Like it was the same thing. And I would argue it might have been a little like less hero specific for Shanghai last year. But like still Fleta was the easy MVP. It feels like this year. It's it's a lot more divided. If for me, I it feels a lot more open this year. It, see, it, it's weird to me. It's like so because Dallas has so many players are good, like nobody on Dallas is going to deserve MVP, 
even though no, like, fearless has been like the main guy in conversation but i think as you've gotten further into the season and everybody else has really come alive with it but like there's other guys on that team that you can make the argument for like sparkle has how can you like not argue for a guy like sparkle who's played everything above what people expected him to be and literally carries fights for them at times or hanbin mm-hmm. who's sort of like the unspoken like hero of that team because of he can do so much like i feel like I feel like there's a lot of really weird things with Dallas where because everybody's playing at a high level, you can't give it to one of them. I, let's just look at like the Chicago Bulls of, of the 73 and 10 team or 72 and 10 team or any of the Chicago Bull teams that Michael Jordan was on. OK, he was on the best team in the league most of the time. Right. But was he not the best player in the league? Was he not the MVP multiple times? It's just it's one of those arguments or LeBron James, if we want to go current, right? Like it's it's just because a team is successful doesn't mean that the person on the team who's the best player is not the best player in the league. It's just um, it's kind of a a, not a lame argument, but it's an, an argument that that kind of doesn't get to the fact of of things that are actually happening with other people and other players. So. I, I I do think there's there's definitely a lot of merit to leave. He might win it. I, I wouldn't be upset with leave winning it. I think that's another important thing here too to mention. Like I think leave is definitely an MVP candidate. Might be the front runner right now, deservedly so. Um, shout out as well to our good friend B, who's out in the chat. Um, B, my hair has been like this for the past month. Yeah. We just haven't been able to play D and D. So it's this is what happens when people's schedules don't work. Um, but yeah, and. They bring up the point as well that Chen, so part of the reason we're seeing Chengdu and Dallas kind of slip a little bit as we get slip maybe the wrong word um, not be number one going further into the season is that they've both fallen into a trap where their early structure and victories relied on an element of surprise with running strange comps and strategies rather than running the meta. They were underrated by other teams, but this far into the season, they've started to do the opposite and have started underestimating their opponents. Shanghai certainly sets the meta where Dallas Chengdu have previously found the most profit was defying the meta, but now they're starting to fall into the same groove. And of course they failed because Shanghai is the strongest within their composition. Sparkle is insane. I think punk and piggy should both be in the discussion as well. It's like it is a thing of like if we were to wait by like who is the most valuable like further team, I think Piggy, I think Dante's in there, I think Punk is in there too. But I think when you look at like what stereotypically the MVP award has gone for, I think it'll end up going to someone like Leave or Lip or one of the boys from Dallas. I did want to mention as well, we talked about this with the meta that Shanghai again find the new wrinkle where everybody's they're they're expecting the wrecking ball comp. They're expecting this kind of hyper dive. And you and I talked about it during our games today that they move, they switch out to the Reaper. That was something Shanghai. As, did, like, yeah. yeah, Shanghai switches out to the Reaper, and it does a great job of kind of keeping Gaga in check and really limiting what he really limiting how much he can kind of dominate a fight. Well, the funny part about that is like that composition um, was, was something that they sort of ran the entire time against Chengdu and it, it's basically Dallas's comp, just a Reaper with the Sombra. Like it wasn't much different in this three, two game though. Like this really felt more like Shanghai sort of learning what they need to do to sort of be in the same it, it, to compete with what they were doing for Chengdu because it, it was more about finding answers that would work than anything else. That would mm-hmm. work best for them for what Chengdu is doing because they 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 were they were much in the the championship game they didn't mirror them as much whereas in in this game and where we see that they have a little bit of struggles is when they try to mirror right that that's why it ends up being a three two game in the championship game it sort of seemed like they were like you know what we think we have something that's better so we're not going to mirror. Shanghai takes the winners the winners bracket final three to two. Moving on to the losers bracket, Atlanta Rain versus Dallas Fuel. Uh, this one is tighter. This one is much closer. It is funny. I'm looking through all of these though, but I don't know if you've seen this. Um, they're listed as summer slowdown highlights when you look online. No, 
That's funny. But this one is still back and forth. I hate. I know you're not a fan of the word clutch, Lobosco, but I, it okay. does feel like. How many like, times do I got to say it? There's a difference between what me like saying that there's clutch things and, and somebody only being better at being clutch, right? Clutch mm-hmm. moments happen, but saying that a player is clutch is not the same thing, right? Because you're a good player if you're clutch. Bad players don't play and they're not clutch. That's why they're bad players. If you're a good player, you're more likely to be clutch. There's Mm -hmm. a difference. (laughs) This one feels very back and forth, Uh, especially we get to King's Row where Dallas gets all the way through two times. But still, it it seems like in this one, Dallas are able to eke it out. Like they they are able to hold tough and push through to to getting that map three. They they were the better team on control specifically, which I think was a, very important for them in in winning this series overall. Even though they had a lot of, of a tougher time in the objective style maps, and I think that was one of the bigger differences. And definitely seemed to make a big difference and why they ended up winning. It was also crazy because I felt like here we saw like we saw compositions that were not really being played at all by the other two teams in this entire series sort of between the two of them. Like we saw so much more of the of the Symmetra stuff come out here. And then Dallas mm-hmm. just did not seem to want to run like Symmetra Reinhardt stuff at all against any of the other teams. So I'm very curious if this is just because of the play styles against each other, that they saw this was a better thing to do more than anything else. It was, it was just, it was very odd. It was definitely very odd. Yeah. Cause you don't see that in any match, any of their matches with Shanghai or Chengdu. Yeah. I think that, that was like, it ends up working out, right? Like they do things that, that work out for them, but it definitely was a little odd. We also talked about it. We get to talk about a little bit the sparkle, the sparkle Pharah coming out on Route 66. It's like, oh man. And like the, the sparkle Pharah along with the Dallas dive is just kind of poetry in motion a little bit with how much he's able just to pick off whatever Fearless and Hanbin are setting up. I wish we got to see it more, but I think it just. I think you're right, but just with the kind of compositions we saw them running into, they just were not interested in really playing it in most other places. Yeah, and there's not many places you can play the, those fair compositions. I mean, Chengdu is sort of a prime example of the, playing it in the places that are best. What was weird is like Dallas like speed runs through the first points and then just get completely halted on the third and have no answer at all. I also felt like they took forever to switch on to something that maybe would have given them a chance on this map. On Route 66, like it, it definitely felt like they're they they missed out on something like making swaps earlier to really give them an opportunity to complete the map. And then Atlanta manages to push through. In what ended up being a pretty close map, like it wasn't it wasn't like it was a easy map for Atlanta to win to force it to a map five either. So you, you give Atlanta a lot of credit because they definitely played really well on, on Route 66 on their attack to actually get this solidified and, and win the map mm-hmm. when we get to the when we get to fuel's second matchup with Chengdu, it's not even it's not like it wasn't as close it wasn't really close at all Chengdu takes control on nepal 2-0 they take anubis 3-2 and then they take king's row 2-1 Dallas, it it just seemed that Dallas did not have an answer for, I think, specifically leave on the Echo. Well, it's weird because like you you expected Dallas to maybe like match some of the stuff DPS wise that was happening on the other end. And then they just never did it like they, they were so adamant about playing the Genji and the Genji worked a little bit, but it never worked fully like. I, I didn't quite understand, I guess, like you're playing the Genji to sort of go after the Zenyatta. I guess that's your point. But like the, the biggest thing is, is like how many how many fights in the Chengdu versus Dallas games did we see Fearless be like the first player to die because he gets a discord orb orb. He gets shield bashed into oblivion and then just everybody melts him. Like how many times did, did you see that happen to Dallas? And mm-hmm. 
like I get people saying, well, Dallas has this specific way they want to play and whatever, but you have to start looking at what the other team is doing to you in adjusting in some way. Like, I'm not saying you necessarily have to mirror, but like, okay, so the Zenyatta orb is killing your main tank. What are you going to do to change that? Like we saw the difference between what Fearless could do and what Gaga could do in a lot of these games, because there's a lot more survivability for Gaga on the wrecking ball. And Dallas didn't seem to have an answer of how they wanted to best do that. Like they tried some different things and it just never seemed to work out. And they never, I, I was just surprised they didn't try to do some other stuff. Like, like it, how Shanghai ends up treating it in the next game. So. For sure. So Dallas gets knocked out in the loser's bracket, which I think I saw people being like, I think of course, bad Pachamari. Not what's the word kind of dooms everything when he preds stuff. But it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sleep knowing that it's going to be Shanghai Dallas tomorrow. I'm not even going to bother watching. And then it was like, it just wasn't close. I don't know why people thought it, that like Dallas did not show that they could stand up to the composition that Chengdu ran. Like this basic composition, this was sort of their base composition that they would sort of deviate from of Tracer Sombra, which we saw a lot of of Dallas run Tracer Sombra too. But the difference was they had the Zenyatta and the Brig and then the Wrecking Ball, whereas Dallas tried to do the the Fielder uh, Moira with the the Lucio and then Fearless continuing to stay on the the Winston. And it just wasn't enough. And it's not like like Fearless did horrible on the Winston, but you can only do like there are certain fights that were over before they began because fearless was focused down perfectly by Chang Du. You know, there, there, I think it was like the one of, one of the best examples of this isn't in the first game, but in the, or not in the second game, but the first game where they're on Volsky industries, right? A map that's been dominant for Dallas, but we see on the defense, we see the two different ways where if you kind of mess up what you're supposed to do, fearless will jump in with a nano boost and then obliterate your team. And then on the second attack time for Dallas, where they had, where, where you think, okay, they're going to do the same thing they did last time because the setup is almost exactly the same. Fearless goes to dive in and dies immediately before anything can happen because they were better, they better executed what they were supposed to for Chengdu. Mm -hmm. So he gets obliterated, gets discord orbed, gets whip shotted away. So his dive doesn't do anything. He tries to continue in. He's in a no man's land spot, ends up dying. Like Chang Du like executed so well at times what they wanted to do better than Dallas. And that made all the difference in the world. Good point as well that this is the first time that Dallas has lost Volsky Industries all year. They were 10 and 0 previously and they had won it against Chengdu earlier. Like this has been their go to map. And, and you go. Well, go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Was the and it just wasn't there. Like, like we were saying, they were still Chengdu was still able to just was Chengdu had their number on it. Well, more so than that, it's like you've been to this map so many times, everybody knows what you're gonna run on it. Like Chengdu had an answer defensively on what they wanted to do versus what you were trying to do. But also there was like I, I'm trying to think of the the Dallas was always sort of setting the meta. Like this was a time where they had to adjust to the meta and they didn't adjust quick enough. You know, they weren't mm. like sure they had a hard schedule that they ended up going four and oh in to get to this point, but like they still never really figured out what to do against the, the compositions that they were going to see in APAC because nobody was running it in NA. So what they were adjusting to in NA wasn't the same as what they had to adjust to here. And they weren't they weren't ahead of everybody this time. And I don't think it's, I, I think it's more just because they just didn't have like, it's sort of like flipping a coin a little bit, finding the correct meta. Right. And I think they just, they, it didn't land on heads for them this time. Looking at the final matchup, the grand final Shanghai dragons, Chengdu hunters. Chengdu gets off to a hot start. They take Ilios. And it kind of sets the tone of this is going to be a little bit more like a super tight match. We see Nisha come back in, who, to my knowledge, I think Ch Evelatel have played a lot of the map, most of the maps, if not all the maps, for Chengdu going into this one. Yeah, almost all of them, yeah. 
and they they lock out Elios 2-0. But then it started stuff begins to switch back over, I guess tends to push back over to Shanghai again. Shanghai has the answer for what what they want to do on on excuse me. On Anubis, Chengdu as well runs a little bit of some weird stuff. They run Monkey and Diva, not Diva, Monkey Zarya on Anubis, which is weird too because you think like with how successful that ball hyperdive had been, they try and go double bubble, which just kind of gets rebuffed pretty quickly. But Temple of Anubis is where ball probably works the worst too, though. Like you, it, yeah, because of geometry. Right. Like if you think about it, when they play it against Dallas on this map. They played Winston, I think, the entire time. I don't think they really played any Wrecking Ball. You know, they played it here because I think they felt like it was still the better comp for them. But Shanghai was able to sort of deal with things so much better once they got into more defensive positions and knew how to execute better than on the offensive side, right? Like, they have the strong... I I think it shouldn't be under... um, undervalued like this impressive defensive hold that Shanghai has on the second point. There's over five minutes available for for Chengdu. Like you think that this should be pretty easy and like they get the dragon blade at the beginning for that second point. Like leave gets two kills like everything spells like this is disastrous for Shanghai and they're able to turn it around. I I, I think there needs to be a lot of credit given to Shanghai in that sort of respects more than anything else because like that should have been a map that that Chengdu had a massive time bank for their second attack, and they just didn't do it. When you look as well, I think this match has the best place for Limp Sombra, even though we saw like the crazy EMP um, with the Fara over on Ilios. The Limp Sombra just kind of smothers them in a ton of spots where they're trying to build the defense or they're trying to build up a push and. He pops in, EMPs three or four people, and then it's over. Like they by then leaves already dead. Monk's already dead. Well, it's funny because on Anubis, it, it wasn't even that, right? Like it was lip on Ash. And they couldn't they couldn't really stop the Ash. They couldn't stop Fleta. It's kind of what it felt like more so than anything, too. And it was like a little variation sort of of what Dallas was running was the composition. Because if you think about it, their defensive composition is is the tracer and the tracer and the ash and then they played winston diva and then they played anna and brigitta right so you think about what dallas is running what's different there like we saw we saw dallas do anna brigitta um we probably didn't see them do enough anna brigitta from dallas but we know that those are two things that they have in their pocket that they could have done we know that they could play the winston and, and the diva and then we know they can play Tracer, but they can't play the Ash. And then that's one of the big difference makers. I think the other big difference maker, too, was like Fate having the ability to switch to Wrecking Ball to be a very effective Wrecking Ball, which he does towards the end of that map. Like, those are the things that that feel like they are things that change the geometry of the game and, and the outcome specifically. And. Even on their offense, like they're able to run a composition that we've seen Dallas do sometimes too with Tracer, Sombra, Winston, Diva, Brig, Anna. But I guess I, I don't know if they feel like they have if if they're not confident in the Brigitte play that they get or what for why they didn't try to do it more. But but this is something that worked for Shanghai. So I, I, I just thinking about it from the Dallas perspective still, th- those are things that I just don't understand. And then I think we got to talk about how the game ends as well. You go three to one. Three to one. We end on Nepal. Shanghai takes the first map. And then we go to. I think it's village is what's the map. I always forget what the name of the map. Is. We go to village and. It ends in a C9. <laughs> That's how the game ends on Village, yeah. But, like, I mean, I don't think that mattered, though. Like, yeah, it happened, but I think that Shanghai's still going to end up winning anyways. Like, maybe they don't win that point back at that point, but it feels like the next fight after that's probably going to be the win for Shanghai anyway. Well, because it was 99 to 99. Was it 99 to 99? It was. So, like, worst comes to worst, they lose that point, but I still think they take that map. Like... 
There's still oh, a was, like yeah. Fleta's echo is just still able to smother. And we look as well, like they're so coordinated between him and lip and between him and lip and fate. Like you saw, this was kind of, I, I think you might call it a weakness with Chengdu where they get into these spots where they have to run certain people on certain heroes. Like leave is your most flexible DPS player between the two. And you get into situations where he, they have to write him on the Reaper because they can't switch Jinmu off of the, the Sombra. But like, that's fine. Or maybe because that's what they were using on Shanghai's side to extreme success. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's necessarily the reason why Chengdu loses. No, I don't think it's the reason why they lose. I think it's just, it is an obstacle or it's something that they kind of have to but, work but around. In some how spots. is, if the other team showed you that it can be done so successfully with the same exact DPS duo, how is that, how is that, um, an obstacle, right? Like they, they did it to counter what your diving was doing. They were diving as well with the majority of what they were doing with their comp. Like they were still running a dive composition on the side of Shanghai. Like they, there, there's an argument to be made that that's a composition that can almost work even better for Shanghai because you can put Jinmu on something he's comfortable. Like leave is great on everything. You can have Gaga play Winston. Who's good at Winston. You have the diva matchup for, for late young. And then you, you have a good Lucio and you have a good Anna. Like, like this is a composition that I think you should still be able to run as Chengdu. It, it doesn't feel like this is something that if you're if you just go to the mirror to say let's just do the mirror, that you're you're at a disadvantage like immensely. It is interesting to think this is Shanghai's second tournament victory, which I think we'll look at the standings right now. I second think they're firmly. Second row, they're firmly in the lead for this year. Like overall standings, are you talking about? Like with both East and West? Yeah, I'm going to check out all standings right now. I believe you're right for, the, for overall. I mean, I think they were already that anyways. Like they had more points than than Dallas, I think, up until this point anyways, because they had more regular season wins. Yeah, because Dallas is at 15. They're at 18. Um, I guess maybe they were ahead. But Dallas or or no, they were even. Sorry, they would have been even, I guess. Or maybe one ahead for Dallas. Yeah, looking at it, Dal so Shanghai is. Oh, is this just map differential? Huh. Well, you have to look at points. Um, you can look at points. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the wrong. I thought that Owl Standings would have it, but they don't. Um No, so looking at points, yeah, Shanghai has 18. And then da Dallas is 15. Yeah, those are your two clear cut runaways. I, I, I would. S they're they're both guaranteed to be in end of the year playoffs. They don't have that as a distinction um, for some reason, which is a little bit of a surprising thing to me, because like even if Dallas were to lose every game, like not enough teams can pass them by. Where they would be out of playoffs. Mm -hmm. So. It's a little weird that they don't have that distinction yet for them. But even so, like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to matter. And, and Shanghai clearly in the same sort of position where you have even less teams that can even hope of jumping them because nobody. I think I think if so, there's four regular season games left, right? Yep. So if, if you give four more points to Seoul, that puts them at 13. And then even if you give them the three more for winning the tournament, um that's 16 so yeah they can't even shanghai has first locked up in the east it is just hilarious to me that they have double the points that shanghai has double the points of the next team underneath yeah. them and, and that's so, a team that hasn't even gotten into any of the tournaments either so we will talk about kind of what the outlook is for the rest for the last quarter of the year next week we'll be going over our picks for mvp for Maybe not our picks. I guess the possible candidates for MVP for Rookie of the Year. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm interested. Like, and as stuff will, news will drop. Yeah, news always freaking of course. Whenever we think that nothing's happening. Yeah, but that is probably gonna do it for us. Unless you have anything else to add, Labosco. No, I'm excited to see how the uh, how everything's going to finish out. Um, 
it, it should be a fun end of the year. I agree. I agree. If you want to help out the show, if you want to make make it easier for people to find us, you can leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you like, what we can work on. And we can, well, not we can, we read out each new review live on the show, waiting on a new one right now. So if you want to get your stuff, yeah, I am a marble mouth tonight. Jeez. If you want to get your review written out or read out live on the show, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to. Yeah. Listen to podcasts. Definitely. And if you want to join us too, uh, you can join us to play game nights when we have them. It's going to be a little bit before the next one, but still uh, the best way you can help the show out is by um, uh, coming uh, or joining us on discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. Keeps you up to date with your favorite shows. A few of which you get to hear about right after we're done. Also would love it if you would come and support the network made uh, patreon.com slash mashless buttons little as a dollar a month and you get access to a bunch of awesome Patreon exclusive content. So please, please do that. Of course, of course. If you want to follow hmm. the show specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at pushpoint pod. Leave us an email, something long form if you want to discuss something at push the point at gmail.com. And we stream live every Sunday, 7 p.m. PST, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons where we play some ranked games. We do our episode. It's a fun time. We have some cool people in here. Yeah, B, if, B was in here today saying some cool stuff. So B was in here. I think Spider was in here, too. We have a good time. Uh, Labosco, you're a cool person. Where can they find your cool person stuff? Uh, at Labosco, I'm not actually cool. He's lying, but you know, whatever. If you want to do that, by all means, go ahead. I won't stop you. And you can find me on Twitter at pushpointpod for all of the random stuff I'm thinking about. Thanks for hanging out with us for episode 111. I think it is actually 111 of Push the Point. And as always, just want to remind you to be safe, take care of yourself. And we'll see you next week as we get into the final quarter of Overwatch League Season 4. I'm a little sad to think about it, but I'm excited for what we're going to have in store for you guys. See you later. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 